0: Well, all you mamas and daddies out there, um, looks like you might be keeping your kids at home to homeschool them. Um, I'm not sure for how long. I'm not really sure what the um, school system is going to look like. Um, So, I want to talk to you about homeschooling, home learning, home education, whatever you call it. I just want to talk to you about some of the things that we did as a crazy cool family. See, I homeschooled Molly when she was in um started in kindergarten and homeschooled Molly Madeline Macy McKenzie through the sixth grade. And then I homeschooled Michael and Maddox until the third grade. And then McCade, poor little guy, I only homeschooled him until the first grade and then put him in school and went to work at the school that he was um, at. And everybody else was in the school as, as well. And so I have homeschooled for at least 20, 25 years. It's been about seven years since I've homeschooled. So it has been a while, but guys, listen, it was it was the best season of our lives. I absolutely loved it. There's so many great positive things about homeschooling. And so I don't know where you are right now. I don't know if, you, if you're being forced to because of what's happened with COVID, or you've chosen to because of what happened in the spring and you enjoyed having your kids at home, or if you've homeschooled all along. I don't know where you are on the spectrum, but I just wanted to share with you some of the things that I learned along the way some of the things that made it worth it, made it fun, made it um, organized. And so to start off with, um, if you're like in that place where you're like, oh, I cannot believe I have to do this. I don't even know if I want to do this. I just want to tell you right now that I think this is my bold, unsolicited opinion, but I think every parent should homeschool for a season. I just believe it's one of the most valuable things that you can do for your children. Because as you spend large quantities of time with them, you'll see everything. You'll see the good, the bad, the ugly, you'll see the beautiful, and you'll be able to work on the, you'll be able to work on the bad, you'll be able to tweak the ugly, you'll be able to um, multiply the good, and you will be able to just enjoy the beautiful and I think that when our children are away from us for eight hours a day, we get almost their, their sloppy seconds. You know, we get the tired, exhausted kid. We get the kid that's been performing all day long. We actually don't get our true kid. And so I think homeschooling gives us as parents the opportunity to see every single um, aspect of our kids. And I just, and I think that God has equipped and empowered us to know what to do with all of those aspects of our kids. And so I just, once again, I love this season of homeschooling. And then the last thing is that what homeschooling does is it creates an opportunity for you to have space to pray and read the Bible with your kids. You can put all those qualities and characteristics that you want in your child because you're spending day to day with them and your the minutes are all yours. You are flexible with your time. That was my favorite thing, is that you we could I could do whatever I wanted with my time. We could take the day off, or we could go to the park, or we could do school all day, you know, double. Up triple up on school so we could have a long weekend, you're in charge of your schedule. That's one of my favorite things about homeschooling. Um, but, but back to the God part, though, because we know that when we send our kids to school, unless it's a private Christian school, we know that we when we send our kids to school that they are not getting... Uh, we talk; they're not getting the God stuff, and we talk about a balance all the time at Crazy Cool Family. That the world is coming at our kids at a hundred miles an hour, and so we have got to present to them spiritual opportunities. And so to do that, we can do you know Sunday school, take them to church, um, church camp, uh, concerts. There's all sorts of things that we can do. But when we homeschool them, we get the amazing, amazing opportunity to get to bring them the minutes of each day can be God-filled, and they can pray for their breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they can pray for their sibling when they fall down and get hurt. And you can take the time to read the Bible. So those are just a few of the things that if you're thinking, oh, I can't believe I have to do this, or I'm going to do this, or okay, here we go again. Those are just a few of the positives. Okay. So let's get into some of the practicals. Okay. To start off with these, so I just had a bunch of moms who are looking into this, this giant frontier of homeschooling and they were sending me these questions like, what do I do? And so here are some of the questions that they asked. And I'm just thinking that, you out there might have um, these questions as well. So to start off with, how do you homeschool multiples? How do you, when you've got those younger kids and those preschool kids, what in the world do you do? I think that that's probably one of the hardest parts. And and so I, I guess I would say I cheated because <laughs> I sent my little guys to Mother's Day out, and so our our church had a little Mother's Day out two days a week. And so I don't know if that's going to exist in our society today. I don't know if mother I don't know if churches are even getting to do Mother's Days out. So that might not be an option for you. So if that is not an option, then another thing that we did is I partnered with another mom who had kids that were similar ages. And I would take the littles one day and she would take the bigs one day and she would do a couple things with the bigs and I would play with the littles. And so that is a way for you to spend some time with those big kids. Cause that's the goal is you want a little bit of one-on-one time. You don't have to have four hours of one-on-one time. You can have an hour. Um, if you can have an, if you can get 30 minutes to an hour of one-on-one time, then you can go through all of their assignments and send them on. Um, but what do you do with those little guys when that's happening? So one of the things that we did other than sending them away was we would all sit at the kitchen table together and I would either get them the little some schoolwork, or they would have a color sheet or Play-Doh, or they would have something to entertain themselves and they would sit at the table and they were doing school too. And they actually loved it. They had a better attitude about it than the big kids because school was still fun to them. And so that's kind of one of the ways that we did multiples. We either sent them away or we included them in what we were doing And then one last thing is I would, um, let's say if you've got four kids and I would send the oldest with the youngest or the oldest with the second to the youngest and the second to oldest with the youngest, and I would partner them up and I would send the two of them off and then I would work with the other two. And so now you've only got two, you've got an older kid and a younger kid and the younger kid once again is playing with or doing something and then you're working with the older child. So something like that, part buddies, partners is what I called that. All right. So another question that was asked is incorporating technology. And so what do you, what what do you do when you've got, when, when our kids are constantly wanting to be on technology And so that wasn't really an option when my kids were little. They had a few educational games, but it's nothing like it is today. YouTube wasn't even a thing when my kids were little. I mean, my little boys played Minecraft a lot, but honestly, I liked Minecraft because it's like virtual Legos (laughs) and didn't have to worry about stepping on them. And so I thought it was a creative, fun thing. And so when that came out, I probably let them play on it more than they should. And so this is what I would say to you, though, is that I would take advantage of technology. If there's some topic out there that you don't wanna teach, then find an online course for your kids. I was never very good at science. Um, I would find an online course where they could watch experiments and and do something that, um, that challenges them when it comes um, to that topic through technology. One of the things that we did do, and I guess you would count it as technology, is we listened to audiobooks. I had a couple of dyslexic kids, and so the best thing that they could do was listen to the book while they were reading along. I highly recommend that if you, you just the the more books you can get your child to consume, the more the books are educating them, and you're not having to educate them. It teaches them to read. It teaches them, obviously, it teaches them to spell. It teaches them the the grammar. And so um, I would make time every day to either. Read, have them read, or have plug them into an audiobook. And so here's the deal: technology is our friend, and it's here to stay. It's here to stay, and you cannot negate that. But there is a very fine balance. So, not to use technology in your education, it, it would be barbaric. I mean, our kids need to know how to type, they need to know how to use Word and Excel and all those programs. But It's not a good idea to overuse it. It's not a good idea to entertain our kids with it. It's not a good idea to plug our kids in and let technology take over and babysit them because what I believe is that it stifles, stifles their education and it stifles creative play. And so, mamas out there, you have got quite the balance. I would use technology for your schoolwork, and then I would limit it. I would limit the, the, the fun and the games on the back end of that and just send them outside to play. Okay. Let's see another question. So tips on how to find the best curriculum for your kids. So if you're not having the school system provide you the work, which I don't, I don't even know how that's going to look this year. I've I've got a kid that I'm going to be doing that with, and I don't know how that's going to look because I was always in charge of what I wanted to teach them. They used to have this giant um, book fair. I don't even know if they have those anymore. Everything's online, so it doesn't matter anyway, but this giant book fair, and you could go to all the different booths and you could touch it and you could feel it. And I always bought way more than I should and, and, and definitely way more than we used, um. But so just a just a, a a little tip is know your kids learning style know if they're a visual auditory or a kinesthetic learner and know what that you, and you can do a test online just go google you know what learning styles and there's a little test that you can give your kids Um, let's see, I just used many different kinds of curriculum knowing that I've had a few that were definitely auditory. They did the, those auditory books. I had a few that, you know, needed to play with things. So I had tons of manipulatives. Um, but like history and science, I usually lumped all the kids together. And we taught that I taught that usually to the highest common denominator to the oldest kid. And then I simplified it down so that I wasn't teaching five science lessons or five history lessons. I was teaching one because it's still science and it's still history, right? I mean, there, it doesn't change depending on the age, it just gets more complicated. And so that's what I would do for those. And then I used a lot of workbooks because for me, I knew that, okay, we, when we finished that page, we got that lesson down. So for math, we did a lot of workbooks. English and spelling, we did workbooks because it just was nice to have that plan in place and I could track their progress. I used actually Saxon math. I don't even know if it's out there anymore. And Abeka workbooks. I love those because Abeka's faith-based. And so it had stories about God and Jesus woven in there. It had character qualities. And so look for that. I mean, if you have the opportunity to have your kids at home with you, then once again, you want to infuse as much of Jesus as you can in there. And then the last thing, which I'd mentioned earlier, is that we read the Bible every day. We used the comic book, action-packed Bible, and each of us took turns reading a section. And I just think that that's my favorite part. My kids got God's word into them every day. Sometimes it might be the only thing we did was Bible because the day was so beautiful. We had to go out and play. All right, let's see. Another question somebody asked about co-ops. We had great experiences with co-ops. I am not real sure if they'll have those this year. I hope that they do. Um, And if you can find one and and become a part of it, do. It's totally worth it because you get to teach in the co-op the things you're interested in and then you get to send your children out to learn the things that they're interested in that you have no desire or energy or time to teach them. Mackenzie took an art class and a sewing class and Macy took a music class and I wasn't gonna I never had time to teach him any of that stuff and so thumbs up for co-ops if you can find one just once again google it for in your area all right let's see how do you create a homeschool environment so it doesn't take over your house um well so for us we actually had a homeschool room I was a school teacher, and so I loved the school supplies. I loved the organization. I loved the posters. I loved the books. I loved all of that stuff. And so, to me, I couldn't imagine schooling without a room. And so, for I don't remember how many years, we had a room, and the walls were lined with shelves filled with all the things that the any child could ever need (laughs) to be educated. But as the years went on. the schoolroom ended up turning into a study for Dawn, and um, we found that we were really, we liked doing our schoolwork around the kitchen table or around the coffee table or out on the driveway. And we didn't really love being in that room at that little table with those little chairs surrounded by all the things that we needed to do when it came to schoolwork. And so by the end of my homeschooling experiences, I ended up just having a box or a crate, a basket that they just stored their homeschool stuff in and so when the school day was over at 12 1 2 whatever time okay pack up all your school stuff go put it where it belongs and they had a place for it and they put it there so that's kind of how I would um recommend that you uh you keep your school stuff in a in one spot and then make sure that school time is school time and home time is home time and then just a couple organizing tips. I gave everybody color. Molly had green. I don't remember everybody's color, but Molly had green. Macy had purple. Mackenzie had pink. Michael had blue. I think McCade had red. Um, maybe Madeline had orange. Anyway, they all had a color, and so that was their color of their um, their folders and their notebooks and their pens and their papers. And so, if anything, or not papers, but their pencils, if it's their scissors, anything else like that. So, if um, any supplies were laying around, then I would know by color whose it belonged to, and I could say, Molly, come get your schoolwork. Come get your purple. I mean, come get your green folder. And so that's just a, a quick little organizing tip. I've got a bunch more tips in the in the free resource um, that you can go get. Uh, that's attached. Uh, okay, let's see. The next thing is setting goals. Okay, um, the years that I had success when I was teaching my kids was when I would look at what the state mandate was for that year. So third grade state mandate, they need to know about the pilgrims and they need to learn no cursive and they need to know multiplication. And so I would get all of those and I would lay all of those out and I would actually start, um, and I would just kind of map it out. Okay. So I've got seven months, you know, to, cause we didn't usually homeschool in the, um, At Christmas time, I I tried to, but we never didn't make that happen. And so I've got six, seven, seven months that I need to do school. And so I would divide each of the okay, well, we need to learn this, this and this in history, we need to learn this, this and this in science. And so that's kind of how I set the goals. But something that I do want to encourage you to do is invite your kids in to help you with their goals and ask them what they want to do, because they might say something along the lines of, well, I want to learn about the stars or the constellations or the planets or something. And that's not at all what their third grade curriculum says that you need to learn. And so by all means, incorporate that because where our children, um, they, where they have a passion, where they have a desire, that's easy learning. That is paved the way, easy learning. And so you want to invite them in to make those goals. And then you want to create like a checklist, like, look, we've done this and we've made this and we've finished this one, because that's kind of like your report card. Like, Oh, I am doing something. I am being productive, but it's also them. And they're getting to see, they're getting to see their education, um, come to life right before them when they've got that checklist. Okay, let's see how to discipline and have grace for your kids. Okay, I've got a couple things to say on this one. um, You have to separate your you have to separate your roles. You're the mom, You're, you're the mom And uh, while you might be acting like a teacher for some of the hours, you're still the mom and you're always the mom. And so you have to look at your kid as your child. This is my child. I get to teach my child. I get to understand my child. I get to help my child. As soon as you put on that teacher hat and you start demanding things from that teacher perspective, it's going to alienate your child and they're not going to know what to do. It becomes a very confusing situation and so i just want to encourage you to keep the understand that you can't you you can't intertwine the two in that when it comes to um <laughs> Like, let's say they don't clean your rooms, their room. So you're going to have them write 20 sentences of, sentences about don't clean their room. And so don't do that. <laughs> I mean, it is, you are the mom, they are the kid, no matter what, even though you're playing the role of the teacher, as the student, but you're still home. And so keep home separate or keep home as home. And don't let work, don't let school become the consequences or the negative consequences. Um, and then just remember that mom is the first role. Mom is the most important role. So if you see a character quality, in your child that you do not like, and it just happens to show itself through school, let's say they're being sloppy or lazy and they're not doing their schoolwork, then that's not a that's not a teacher issue. That's a mom issue. I see that this is how you're behaving and it's showing up in your schoolwork. Does that make sense, parents? Um, it goes back to what we talked about in the very beginning. You get to see the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful. And so you're going to train the good, the bad, well, maybe not the good. <laughs> you're going to be grateful for the good, but the you're going to train the bad and the ugly as the parent, not so much as the teacher. You're going to help your child. You're going to help see them. This is this is what I'm seeing right now, and this is not a good idea. This is I, we. You want to do your schoolwork because you want to get smart. You want to be educated. You want to contribute to society. You want to have a job. You want to be able to pay your bills, and so you're going to use it from that perspective. Not you're not doing your schoolwork. You're a bad student, and so you get to be your grounded for the next three days. Um, let's see. And then just know one last thing on this topic. I've got way more listed once again in the free resource for you is that your kids are going to get on your nerves. Know that I was a teacher. Um the students got on my nerves. I'm sorry if I had your student, but yes, you're they they do. Kids, people get on our nerves, and just understand that that our kids get frustrated. They get bored. They're unsure, and they need us to meet them in our understanding. And so, if you if your child is frustrating you? Or are you annoyed with that? Then just stop for a minute. See that as a red flag. See that the communication, the relationship between the two of you is broken down and then press in with the relationship, not with the behavior and not with what they're doing when it becomes to performing for you, but instead just who they are and what they're trying to say to you with that annoying behavior. Okay. Hope that helps a little bit. Like I said, there's more things in the free resource for you. Okay. Let's see. Giving yourself grace as a mom. Okay. Here's the deal moms. I can't even tell you how many moms I have had just this summer text and call and email me saying, I can't, I can't do this. I'm I'm so, I, I desperately need a break. And I'm here to give you permission that yes, you do need a break. You do need a break and, um, take one. I I I I don't even know how many times that Don got me a hotel room and I went and stayed the night just to get out of the house, to get out of all the rolls. I remember we had some friends that left town and I went and stayed at their house for a few days. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. If you get away from the children, the students, your small people that you're in charge of for just a little while, when you come home, you will love them that much more. And so give yourself grace, hire a sitter for the day. A lot of the times we would school Monday through Thursday. And then on Friday, I'd have somebody come over and I'd go run errands by myself. I'd go sit and Starbucks and just stare out the window or wander up and down the aisles of Target for hours because I could and nobody little person's talking to me. And then the last thing is, one of the things that we were able to do is we we hired a maid. We had um, a, a a lady come in. It was actually a Hispanic couple, and they absolutely loved us. And they were there for about ten years, and we loved them. They watched me, or they helped me raise you know Maddox and McCade as they joined the family. Anyway, um, and what this was the revelation that I had, and and so what we did is we just rebudgeted. We just shifted our budget a little bit and went out to dinner a little bit less, and. And, and bought a few less things and didn't get to do as much entertainment because I realized that I could, I really wanted my toilets clean. I didn't like the smell of pee. But I needed to educate my children, and I knew that if I was gonna, I needed if I was gonna educate my children, I couldn't also scrub the toilets. I couldn't do them both, and I'd much rather have somebody scrubbing my toilets for me. They'd do a better job anyway, than me educating my kids because I knew I could do a good job educating my kids. And so that was kind of how we justified having um, house cleaners. All right, a couple more. Let's see. Okay, socialization ideas to give kids socialization opportunities. I absolutely love this topic, because there are dozens and dozens of ways to get your child socialized. And I would say that on the grand scale of one being a terrible way and 10 being the best way ever, having them in a room full of peers that are their same ages, which is the school system is designed is, um, I would say that that's around a two or a three when it comes to socialization. Because who in the world wants your I mean, that was one of the reasons I homeschooled, actually, is I didn't want my child homeschooled by some of the the little kid that was sitting next to them whose parents cussed and didn't go to church and whose big brother and big sister were sexually active and doing drugs and telling the little brother all about it. And now my kid's getting exposed to all of their things. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I am the one that gets to expose them. I get to tell them I get to educate them on those things, not little brother, you know, from big brother. So, All that to say is that there's dozens of ways to socialize your kids and it doesn't have to be by their peers. Um, Invite families over for dinner. Join playgroups, sports teams. um, Go to museums, plays, um, educate them with what the world has. Read books about different kids. Get involved in your church. Volunteer with your kids. I mean, that's just to name a few. Okay, let's see. Um, Homeschools must do. Okay, so if you're homeschooling, these are a few things that you really have to do. If your kid does not like, if if your kid dislikes a subject, then find a new way to teach it to them. But if they love a subject and they're flying through it, then don't stop them. McCade went through two or three math workbooks. He went through pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, all in one year because he absolutely loved math. And so that's the beauty of homeschooling. You're not limited to what the grade level is teaching. You let your kids fly and sore and if they don't like a subject then you get to meet them where they are and help them like it Um, that's one of the things and then uh, another one take three weeks off at Christmas it's crazy anyway you have to be in charge of the gifts and the decoration and the cooking and the food so just figure out a way to double up on the front end or the back end just plan your schedule Um, let's see. And then just one more thing. Do school in your jammies at least a few times, Uh, at least maybe not a few times a week, maybe a few times a week. Just know that the perk is there's, there's less, there's less laundry for you. And it just makes it be more fun. It just makes them have, it just makes it not feel like it's so much work. All right, then transition, transitioning, a lot of you are coming probably from the public school, maybe even a private school. And so to understand that your home is never going to be a classroom, that um, dad probably needs to be the principal. You need to have somebody that's in charge and that's not just you so that the big things can go to them. And then dad can also be a teacher. I mean, he can come in and help teach those subjects like Don taught third from third grade on all the math. I mean, he was in charge of that because... Um, I barely understood it, let alone could, you know, communicate it so that they understood it. Um, let's see, let me see if there's anything else I want to tell about that. But once again, I've got a free resource for you that is just loaded with all this stuff. This is just a little, a little test, a little tweak of it right now. Um, let's see. All right. Last thing I want to talk about. Um, just remember that, oh, um, like, okay, public school, private school, homeschool, know that, um, you're in charge of their schedule. And I talked about that earlier. You're the one that gets to have flexibility of that. And that is, that's a win. That's, you don't have to get up at a certain time. You don't have to end at a certain time. You can have recess for longer or shorter if you want to. You can do any of those things. And so I just encourage you to walk in that flexibility. Okay, and then I just want to wrap this up with saying the very last thing is um, why homeschooling is so valuable. Um, And so just keep these things in mind um, as negative thoughts come in because they will like what you're going to have the thoughts. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? This is so hard. I don't want to do this. This is, and so I just want to encourage you that you have, you only have so many minutes, hours, years left to influence your kids. There's a great app called ParentQ that literally counts down the weeks until they move out. And so that's going to just give you a good insight into, oh wow, this is a limited thing. It feels like it's forever, but it's it's not. It, it this too shall pass. Guys, I'm not homeschooling anymore. Actually, I might be a little bit <laughs> thanks to COVID. Um Okay, know that your, influences, your influence is the most valuable, your voice is the most trusted voice, and it will be in their lives. You're going to get to protect them from exposure. Like I said, the, 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 the classmate whose brother's telling them all this stuff, you have maximum flexibility. Um, and then the, know that your, your kids are having one-on-one time with an adult instead of that classroom ratio of 25 to 1 so valuable kids crave adult attention and you're going to be able to give that to them and then know that they're not in a classroom with filled with peers that they're competing against and they're being compared against and and they're being bullied or they're bullying i mean i, it, it, I don't even know what the circumstance is but they're not in there anymore. They're actually in your home, and they're surrounded by love, and they're surrounded by acceptance, and they're surrounded by the people that believe in them the most. And that's why I think my kids are so confident and so secure, because they had a foundation of those beginning years until they were 12, 13, where I was the one that was saying, you've got this. You're amazing. You're incredible. You can you can do whatever it is that you want to do, because you, God's given you the gifts and the talents to do it. And so I just want to encourage you parents that homeschooling really is an incredible, incredible time. It's an incredible season that you get to invest in your kids with large quantities of time. They get to enjoy being a kid. They get to, you get to slow the pace down of life and you just get to live together. And so I hope that you enjoyed this and I hope that you will go download the free resource. Cause like I said, it's got a lot more ideas in it. So Go be crazy, crazycoolfamily.com.